0: So glad you have chosen this morning to worship here with us at Chapel Roswell. I am Melissa Mobley. Most of you probably know each other. I'm the one learning to know you over the next few weeks, so I'm glad to be here to share with you this morning. Our scripture this morning is going to come from the first chapter of Mark, starting in verse 35 and going through 39. Hear these words. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went to a deserted place. And there he prayed, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let us pray. Lord God, come and prepare our hearts this morning to receive the word you have prepared for us. Let us know your presence. Calm our breaths, clear our minds and open our hearts. And let the words of my mouth be yours and not my own. O Lord, my God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So it doesn't matter if you're an armchair soccer fan or if you're that kind that wears face paint and the jersey and you're waving the scarf. You know that staying on target is essential to winning any soccer match. It's been proven over and over throughout the World Cup. Whether it was Germany's Free kick that sent them past Sweden or it was Croatia's goal in extra time just the other day that sent them onto to the finals that are getting ready to be played right now or actually are being played. Being on target made all the difference. Now I don't know a lot about staying on target when you play soccer. I did play soccer as a kid but I was not like a star. But I'm fortunate enough to have someone that In my life, he was really good at soccer, and that's my daughter. And so I asked her, I said, hey, what do you do when you want to stay on target during a free kick? this is kind of what she described to me. She said, I pick up the ball, and I spin it twice, just because that's my ritual, and then I find a mark on it, whether it's the place where the air goes in, or it's the Nike symbol, or the Adidas symbol, or whatever it is, and I set it down so I can see it. That becomes my smaller target. She said, then I look over to the goal and I envision where I want the ball to go. That's my larger target. And I back up and I get ready to take the shot. And I know that I can't be fearful or doubtful or be worried about what the crowd is yelling. But that I just have to focus on that ball, on that small target to reach the larger target. And then I take the shot. If I'm distracted, I might miss. But if I stay on target, it most likely will go in. Staying on target, it's not easy. It takes hard work. Each day we are bombarded by a crowd of pressures from an unquenchable urging of the world and culture that seek to attempt to intrude into every corner of our lives. And sometimes it feels as if we are helpless in the face of so many demands on our time and attention. We can easily lose our sense of self and our direction. We can find ourselves chasing after what looks good and what the world says is good, rather than living into the purpose for which Christ has freed us. So learning how to know the difference between what is better from the good, and then ultimately, what is the best from the better? That can help us to stay on target. Now, Jesus knows about this power of distraction and its power. The day before this scripture that we read this morning, it took, and pl- took place, he, it had been full of good work. He had healed the demon possessed man. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law, and that night the healings had continued as people continued to bring the sick to him. The word was out. There was a miracle worker in town. Everybody wanted to meet him. I imagine that's why he steals away into the darkness before the dawn while everyone is still sleeping and goes to a deserted place to pray. I suspect he felt the need to go and do some personal soul searching, knowing that the people desired his presence, but also knowing what his mission was here on earth versus recognizing the deep need of those people in the village. He had to take a moment to pause. And then the disciples, they don't help because they come and they hunt him down and are looking for him and saying, hey Jesus. They actually kind of confront him. They think they know what's the best thing for him to be doing. They say, hey Jesus, we've come to restore you to your senses. You don't need to be sitting out here in solitude in prayer because there is an anxious crowd in town. and They're looking for you. They're waiting for you. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, let's leave. He doesn't leave shooting out healing power. He doesn't stop and heal some people along the way. He simply turns his back and walks down the road. Now that can sound a little confusing. It can feel a little unsettling in our spirits to hear Jesus Walk away when there are people who are sick and lame and possessed and in need. And he leaves. But he doesn't leave because he's spiteful or angry. He does have love and compassion for them. But healing every single person in that area was not the entire mission. He tells the disciples, Let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. He's not forgotten his job. He's not lost. And the the task is simply not to respond to the incessant cries of the crowd in one place, He can't be distracted for the things that are competing for his attention to the neglect of fulfilling the mission that he has come to share with all people. Of bringing them good news, of healing the broken, of binding the wounded, of overturning systems and structures that seek to distort and diminish the kingdom of God. There's a voice in his soul saying, stay on target. His purpose is proclamation that goes beyond words and messages. It includes making the kingdom known and visible to all people. It means showing people what the reign of God looks like. It has real effects on lives by restoring, speaking forgiveness and telling the truth. Jesus knows he must create a people who are raised up to serve each other, not just in one place, but in many places. He must let go of what seeks to distract him. Now, imagine if we took a moment, we could all share a time in our lives when we were challenged by things that sought to distract us from whatever we felt our goal or mission was at the time. Last week, I shared with the services down the hill about a time when I had traveled to Brazil several years ago. If you heard that story, today you get to hear the rest of the story, and if not, it's okay. You don't need the background to hear this story. But when I went on this trip, it was my second trip to Brazil, and I found myself in a pretty lonely place. I was just a few months from graduating from seminary. And I was questioning whether or not my call was really to be in ministry in the church. This is not something you really want to be thinking about three months before you graduate from seminary. But there were several major events that had impacted my life leading up to this moment. And I was feeling pretty fearful and doubtful and inadequate in what I was doing. So consumed with questions, I found myself filling my time with worldly things, anything to keep the feelings and the thoughts at bay. And so before I left on this trip, I asked God, I said, you know, if this is really what you want me to do, give me something, give me anything that will act as a guide. Now, God has a funny sense of timing because I got to Brazil. I was there for 10 days, and by the 10th day, I still had not had an experience that said, this is the thing you're supposed to be doing. So I was pretty much convinced, like, oh, look, I was right. I'm not supposed to be in ministry in the church, and we're just going to go about our business and figure out what we're really going to do with our life. That was until we went to the favelas. This was about eight hours before I caught a flight home. Now, a favela in Brazil is like a slum, and the poverty there is heart-wrenching. There's no floors in the homes, wires are exposed, and there is mud, muck, and excrement pretty much anywhere you go. We had gone to play with the kids and talk with the families and just to be in community with the people. And the word was spreading that we were there. So while we were in one home sharing, a woman came urgently wanting us to come down to her home. She said that her brother wanted to meet with us. Now our leader didn't recognize this woman, but we went because that was what we were there to do. So it would be weird to say, uh, no. So we got up and we started down the way, and she explained to us that her brother was blind in one eye, he was deaf, and he was mute. So we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into at the moment. We got there, and she told us to sit down on some crates outside her front door, and we did. And she went in and got her brother and brought him out to us. And he sat down along with her and began to gesture at us. And we stared at him awkwardly, very awkwardly, because we had no idea what he was trying to say. So frustrated, he grabbed his Bible, he opened it up, and began to point at a scripture. And then he kind of shoved it over to our translator and pointed at the scripture. And so she read it to us. And then we sat there for a few more minutes, really awkwardly because we didn't know what to do next. And his sister said, hey, why don't y'all share a scripture back with him? And so we did. And we began this conversation back and forth where scripture was the language that we used. And so we went on for several minutes like this, and then he opened his Bible up to a certain page, and he stopped and looked down at it. And then he looked up and he looked at me and he pointed. I was pretty scared at this point. Because I thought, what is getting ready to happen? I do not know. And I thought really he was gonna want me to read it. And I thought, I don't speak Portuguese. Half the people won't recognize it if I try and talk. And so the translator kind of thought the same thing and she shifted, tried to shift the Bible over to me and he said, no. And he pointed again to the scripture pointed at me, and then he handed it to the translator. And what Rebecca read blew me away. It was a story from Luke. It's found in the seventh chapter where John has sent his disciples to Jesus and asked, are you the one that we should be looking for, or should we look for another? And Jesus replies, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. That the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Go back and report. Go back and report. The gift I had sought to guide me into this ministry of being in the church, of being in ministry with all people in all places. Go back and report what you have seen. And after I shared with the group what that meant to me, I realized that all the things that had been distracting me had nothing to do with my call to ministry and that that was the target to go back and to report what I had seen. And the man then asked if he could pray for me. And so I stood up and everyone surrounded me, and I wasn't sure again, because he's mute, how this was going to go. And I learned that we just really never can imagine the things that are going to happen in our lives. Because he came and he's put his hand on my shoulder. And he began to pray in what is the most beautiful groans and grunts and moans I had ever heard in my life. I believe words would have been a distraction in that moment. I was reminded of how the Holy Spirit prays for us before we even know it. And how God is present in everything even when we don't understand it. I knew I had to stay on target. But this isn't just Jesus' story and it isn't just my story. This is a story of all of us because we all have stories of distractions, of things which seek to pull us away from our purpose and mission. Things that pull us off target This week, I was at a meeting talking about doing church in new places for new people, and we had to go around the circle and pull this question out of the hat. And the question I pulled out was, what do you want more of in your life? And what do you want less of in your life? And as I mulled it over this week, I rephrased it into what is seeking to keep you from letting others see Jesus? What is seeking to keep you from letting others see Jesus? Now for some of us, that question may be an easy one to answer the list of distractions in our lives is pretty obvious. But for others, it may be something we really have to ponder. But Jesus frees us for a life of purpose and meaning and good works in response to the love that we know through him. Jesus is working to create through all of us a community that is ready to serve each other, but more importantly, those who are beyond these walls. And Jesus sets a target for us. Now you may have come today feeling as if you are wandering in a dark and deserted place. You may have come looking for anything, something to give you a hint of what you are supposed to be doing or what needs to be done next. Jesus set a target for choosing what was best over what was better. He asked us to continue the work, to claim our calling and freedom for ourselves as we live together. Into the lives, into the community to which we are called. And so it is my prayer. It is my prayer that together we will leap forward into this area. That as we encounter challenges, demands on our time, and fight against our preferences over what is the right thing, that the Holy Spirit will whisper into our hearts and that we will hear that whisper, reminding us each day to stay on target. As we close this morning, you're gonna be invited into a time of contemplative silence. A silence sometimes can feel a little awkward, so just hang with it. But it's a time for you to reflect on what may be distracting you from staying on target and how you might let go of those distractions. We'll enter into the prayer in silence. You might notice some things in your mind that are attempting to distract you, to pull you away. It's okay. Just breathe deeply and let them come and let them go. Let us pray. Creator and lover of our souls, we come to you even now with minds that are crowded and busy breaths, with distractions pulling at us and gnawing for our attention. God, it is so easy for us to busy ourselves with so much that leads us farther and farther from the lifeline of your love and the ways that you call us to your holy work. So in silence, Lord, we name the distractions, with which we struggle. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would wrap itself around us this morning and prompt us closer to you, closer to the places where you call us. Where are you calling us this morning? Where are you calling us as a community of believers? We know that you are with us now, sitting next to us, extending your hand to help us get back on target. And we reach out to you, we cling to you. Let us open our hands and release whatever it is that we hold so tightly that we clench within our fist so that we may take hold of you. Lead us where you would have us to go. Renew our hearts and steadfastness for the mission to which you call us. In the name of God, Son, and the Holy Spirit.